Hello and welcome to Northside Now. This is the podcast where your lovable hosts take you on a tour through all of the ministries and the latest happenings around Northside Church to keep you better connected with your church family. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick, and with me as always are my two wonderful co-hosts, Glenn Miller and Kevin Bryant. Hello. Why, yes. Hey, do y'all know where Solomon's Temple is located? On the side (laughs) of his head. (laughs) What kind of man was Boaz before he got married? Uh, Ruthless. Uh huh. Who was the greatest financial wizard in all oh, of the Bible? I know this one. We heard it last night. No, no idea. It was Noah. Noah. Yeah. He was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. Yeah. That was Justin's really bad joke last night. Very good. I'll this try was, to have uh, some uh, some better ones that you haven't heard next week. <laughs> That'll be good. Okay. Also in the room with us again this week is Pastor Kevin Glenn. Hey. Woo! Yeah. Although I, I don't know after that. Uh, I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good to know as a pastor that Boaz was ruthless before yeah. he got married. That's, That's right. right. I mean, he sure was. Wow. Now good to be with you guys again. Man of many talents, I want you to respond to every question today got in the Yoda voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to try today. You we're know gonna, what? I'll try to do that. <laughs> try not. Do or do, do not. not. There is no try. See, that's, that's very that's, good. I'm very impressed. Good. Very impressed. Yeah, the youth were trying to get him to get into like, how many voices do you do? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, were, hey, I got to leave them wanting more. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, well, let's see what you can do. Yeah, we also smilk at them. Yeah. Yeah. Precious. We don't want Disney or anybody coming down on us. So. No. <laughs> Cease and desist. This is, this is yeah, too, too good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we jump off into anything happening around Northside right now, um, on the other side of the world, it's kind of a parenting question or this thing has popped mm. up. Uh, for you guys. I just want to get y'all's opinions on this. All right. Uh, China has banned all their young people from using any online gaming, anything like that, except for three hours on the weekends on Friday, Saturday, Sunday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And on holidays, they can do this. Oh, yeah. I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. So you get an hour on Friday, an hour on Saturday, and an hour on Sunday for online games. If you're under 18 and they have to log in with a certain login uh-huh. thing, you have you, to use your you real can, name you and get phone in trouble number. if you don't. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And your parents can get in trouble evidently too. And this is a state driven thing. So it's not a parent thing, but, and of course, I mean, we can go on and on about state, you know, state driven or country driven versus don't tread but, on me, but <laughs> stop and think, just stop and think about three hours a day for all your young people, which is the, no, it's three hours a weekend. Well, you, well yeah, a weekend. Mm. But the three hours a week is, is standard, right? So yeah, but you well, yeah. I just there's a thing where the United States kids are nine hours a day. Well, I, I was thinking that right now they can play games during the week for I can't remember a certain amount of time every week, but it's not online games. Uh huh. So the online games are only an hour on Friday, an hour on Saturday, an hour on Sunday, and then it's like I think it's three hours a day. And that was an older law. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that was the one in 2019. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And that's where they started. Now they've gone to this. And then they've made it stricter. And the motivation here is is like uh, video game addiction kind of stuff? Is that, or what is it? That's what they're saying, but it sounds like... This is my personal opinion and does not reflect the uh, views of Northside Church. (laughs) Um, Most likely, especially because it's the online that they're um, cracking down on, is 
outside influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I had seen. Probably outside influence on their because one of the wins. one of the the benefits to online gaming that I've seen over and over in different articles is the, the socialization that it actually increases kids' social skills on online games because they have to talk to each other and work together and problem solve. Mm-hmm. And so when you have people in China, you know, talking to people all over the world, you mm-hmm. know, different ideas disseminate and the Chinese government does, doesn't necessarily view kind view that kindly. So, yeah. yeah. A whole new world opens up. State mm-hmm. control aside, mm-hmm. the question of screen time has been a hotly debated one in our family. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All families. And <laughs> yeah. And I, so I think it's, uh, it, it's apt to talk about just a yeah. bit. So I understand the point of view about socialization online. I would argue what quality of socialization is it when you don't have someone face to face? Does that alter our kids sense of what interaction should be like and feel like? as if a three-year-old is given a device to play a, a game, whether it's educational or not. Sure. You know, I don't know where I fall on this. This mm-hmm. is why I'm a little bit hesitant because I see the benefit of problem solving and some mm-hmm. of the skills you can gain from, um, from video games yeah. and whatnot. But I do know that there is something unique about being in, a, in a, another person's presence mm-hmm. and how you deal with nonverbal cues mm-hmm. and have conversation to be able to carry conversations and those kinds of things. Some people would argue, well, they get that at school or church or whatever. And I don't disagree with that, but I do wonder about the long-term impact yeah. of gaming. Yeah. And, and now that it is so pervasive in our culture, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but you can even get degrees in gaming. You can be a professional in gaming and earn a living by doing it. It is part of our life and culture. Well, Patrick and I were talking about even our military. Well, uh, because right. the drone drivers, the drone pilots, mm-hmm. yeah, they stay in the United States with their little joysticks, and drones are pushed everywhere all over the all over the world. So they've they've ex- explored that in pop culture a bunch of times. You know, yeah. like Ender's Game and the Last Starfighter. I don't know if y'all seen that. Yeah. Sure. Which also raises a point. You know, if China's limiting their kids, and we're not, as the future progresses, I mean, people need these social skills to be able to socialize on the internet and things like that. I mean, that's outside of gaming. I mean, look how many times we've got zoom calls and you know, yeah. we're having to interact online so much more anyways, mm-hmm. COVID or not right. that these social skills are going to be handy in the future. And if we're, if China's limiting their kids and we're not, are we going to have an advantage in the future? Uh, you know, across the board, if our kids learn these skills early and the Chinese kids don't, I mean, are they stunting their kids growth or is it just, I don't know. What's the benefit there? Yeah. I think it's kind of a both and I think, um, you know, my kids are grown and we, you know, we had every console you could think of, mm-hmm. um, while I grew up and then when my kids grew up then I was playing it with them and everything, you know, I think there's always going to be a limit to, the kind of interaction you can have with someone online, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be limited just because you're, you're not, you're not there present with them. I still think it can be quality and, you know, kind of, kind of my personal anecdote on that would be um, whenever my daughter and son-in-law were still living in Missouri, 
uh, when they first got married, they were living in Missouri and we, my wife and I were living in New Mexico. And so I would get on and play uh, Battlefront mm. with my son-in-law. He's not a phone talker. Yeah. yeah. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't talk on the phone very well or, or want to or, or anything. And I can put somebody on speaker and I'm, I'm comfortable. That's just not what he likes to do. But we would, uh, you know, shoot each other in this uh, virtual <laughs> game, which, you know, anytime I got a kill on my son-in-law, it was just, yes. Uh, and playing that and talking and just, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we would, the, the round would be over and we would just chat mm-hmm. and it really was good quality it's how we really stayed connected uh, you know they're they're still in new mexico they 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 moved to new mexico and so they're there and so now my son will interact with his brother-in-law mm, yeah. uh, and that's how they keep up but it's not the same as when we visit in person so i think there are um there are there's a whole set of online skills that uh that kids have and, and kids are learning that even i'm still becoming aware of in my uh, my age. And then I think my part is to help facilitate those in-person skills. And I think that's kind of a role that parents can play mm-hmm. and, you know, really need to play because, because yeah, if I'm never having to make eye contact with you because we're only doing online that I may not know as, as well how to interact with you in person. Yeah. yeah those so nonverbal cues like yeah. you were talking about. Yeah. Although now it's one of the reasons why whenever, you know, we've been zooming, mm-hmm. um, or, or, Microsoft teaming, mm-hmm. um, you know, pick your side there, but right. having the, uh, having, having the camera on was, was, was something that, at, you know, at first with zoom, uh, a lot of the meetings, you know, no one's camera would be on, but, uh, we would have, we would have interdisciplinary group meetings when I was a chaplain and, and they would say, okay, we need everybody to turn their camera on because, you know, we, we want to really interact in this meeting mm-hmm. as much as possible. So that was the thing. And then now what, um, Facebook is rolling out. It's called Facebook Workrooms. Yeah. And you use the Oculus um, virtual reality headset. Yeah. And so if I put that on, I could be, you know, I could be at home and let's say we were doing this podcast, we would set up, I'm sure it would be Patrick, would set up a virtual room. And so we would be looking at one another's avatars. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not there, but we're seeing each other and interacting. So there's, you know, something else transhuman that's even happening with that. So I know like, uh, it's not quite that cool, but (laughs) (laughs) like, uh, we're doing that next week. We had a, we, our Dungeons and Dragons group that was meeting before COVID, we kind of stopped playing once COVID hit, but we started playing again over Discord. Firebomb! Firebomb! Well, one of our guys has moved to Mississippi. One lives in Memphis, but we mm. can all still get on Discord, and we have our cameras, and we, yeah. you know, we can still we still play Dungeons and Dragons on Discord, mm-hmm. and so it, it's still socialization. It's not in the same room, but we're in there for hours. I, I feel like it's quality socialization, but and maybe it's a I, yeah, it's a form of it. But I think one thing the pandemic taught us is. It, it, it can only go so far. Yeah. Where, no. you, all right, I got to have some people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think ultimately, um, when I was, when I was doing my doctoral work, uh, Leonard Sweet, uh, my, my mentor would often say Facebook and FaceTime and all these things are no substitute for face-to-face, mm. but they make you crave the face-to-face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I always thought he was onto something with that. Yeah, I like that. And all that's great for those kids to have those skills and everything until someone happened or something happens to your power grid, like Texas no. last winter. And, uh, <laughs> nobody knows yeah. what to do. <laughs> right. so, so that's interesting. But um, 
but yeah, I mean, because even like for us, FaceTime with Clay, uh, you know, he's he's one mm-hmm. already. Holy cow! And but to, it's not the same as being able to hold him and touch him and, mm-hmm. and stuff. But I mean, he recognizes our voices and yeah, stuff, and it's yeah. fun. He'll be doing something across the room. I'll say, I'll walk in and say, hey, boy. And he'll be like, <laughs> and he'll start crawling to the phone. But it's amazing how quickly he's picked up yeah, I, playing and, on the phone. But I, I understand. I think on one hand, you know, I can hear some parents going, oh, yay for China. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally can. Yeah. Yeah, yay I'm for China you. and limiting that. But then on the other hand, it's it's like, well, I think limiting limiting screen time is a good thing yeah. when, when kids are younger. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like, you know, on, on one hand, it's kind of like saying, uh, the stove is hot. Don't touch it. Yeah. Okay. When you're, when you're young and you really don't have the skills to navigate it well, but then eventually, you know, you learn the stove is hot. Yeah. But it can also be used well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it kind of has to flex, but until they can put their own limitations on it and there's going to be that gap whenever they're like, yeah, I'm free unlimited. And then they can't get up <laughs> for a couple of days to go to work and miss mm-hmm. something really important. Yeah. And then they'll kind of self-regulate. So, you it's know, regulating always, it is, is yeah. good. It's always that search. But I don't want for, the government yeah. regulating it. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. It's always that search for some form of balance. Get and, out of my TV. <laughs> and that brings up the fact that, um, you, uh, recently, uh, pastor Kevin posted on, um, what I do. You posted on your social media what our next sermon series what people interwebs. would like to see. I think one of them was parenting, and the other was uh, parenting, and what else? Basic beliefs. Basic beliefs. beliefs. Yeah, 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 that's the one I voted so, for. So I, thought, I was thinking of parenting. I thought, well, hey, well, we're, yeah, we're, I don't have kids, so <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's funny. less applicable it's, to me. It's funny. I feel like you know. Um, NBC News, uh, or no, uh, Northside now can uh, can can call it. We can call it. That's right. <laughs> we can call the election. Uh, the <laughs> results funny. are in, and yeah, it's definitely going to be basic beliefs, which I'm going to call the series Credo. Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know, basic beliefs just sounds lame. So it'll be mm. Credo, and basically, uh, what we're going to do, is, I'm, I'm going to split it up. Okay, so those of you who've been enjoying Wednesday night, frequently asked questions, we're gonna we're gonna continue the party. I'll come back around to what I'm talking about currently on Wednesday nights because I know there are some questions about it. But uh, what we'll do is uh, we're going to walk through um, what you know what the Scripture teaches about uh, who is God the Father, who is Jesus, mm-hmm. why is it important that we say that Jesus was fully God and fully man, why is it important that Jesus rose from the dead with a physical body. You know, he could, they could, they could touch him and everything. Mm -hmm. Why are those things important? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? What's the deal? Um, What is sin? What is, what does it mean? What does salvation mean? Mm. And so just some of those core essentials of Christianity. And, um, and of course I can hear, you know, what about the Bible? That's what I'm going to cover on Wednesday nights. What do we believe about the Bible? What do we, what do we believe about the Bible's um, authority? What do we believe about the Bible's reliability? Uh-huh. What about all these different translations that have come out? How do we navigate that? Um, should we all should we all be using the King James version? Uh, you know, and I mean, I can go ahead and tell you no. Um, <laughs> you know, no, we don't. That's not necessary. There's just not enough dragons in my current translation. <laughs> I so it's, I give me some Leviathan, man. I know, that's right? right? <laughs> give me some Behemoth. Um, yeah, uh, remind me sometime. Not in this podcast, but sometime I'll have to um, I'll have to show you the little the little trick that happened in one of the Psalms that William Shakespeare uh, translated. Mm. William, William Shakespeare was involved in the f- translation of the King James Bible. And, I did not uh, know that. And yeah, one of the Psalms, there's some interesting little things that, that he did 
um, that we believe he did. It's just one, it's one of the things you can't prove it, but the coincidence is just way too. Huh. But anyway, that's what we're going to go over on Wednesday nights because I don't know that that would preach very well on Sunday mornings. It would be more like a academic lecture because we're mm-hmm. going to get into a lot of history and stuff like that with the Bible. So, But that's what I'll do on Wednesday nights. What do we believe about the Bible? Uh, and then on Sunday mornings, it'll be, you know, okay, what do what do Christians believe? You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I don't want to call it mere Christianity because, you know, that mm-hmm. title's taken. I mean, it is familiar. a good title, though, right? <laughs> um, that, that's a that's a good title. And I, I don't want to compete with old Clive, you know. Um, uh, but uh, so anyway, that's that's what's coming up next. Uh, those cool. those basic kind of essential, yeah. if you will, Christian beliefs. That's good. The building blocks. Yeah. So that uh, Shakespeare was that in um, verse two B or not two B? <laughs> oh, ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> Very good. I'm getting, I'm getting quicker on the sound. I'm yeah. telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's cool. So yeah, that's what's coming next, and I am going to do a parenting series for those that. But but it was funny. It was almost. I, Every single person, and I'm not going to say names, of course, but every single person that voted for parenting are, you know, parents with young kids. Yeah. They're just like, give me something. Yeah. So yeah, uh, as, oh. as someone without kids, I can say y'all need some parenting skills. But but what I want to do, I want to get a running start at that anyway and convey that, you know, when I do a parenting series, it's going to come from the perspective that everybody parents, parent. yeah, yeah that's good. everybody parents. Yeah, that's uh, it's a village type thing, and yep. you know, coaches, grandparents, and uh, non-parental adults, and stuff like that. So it's going to be it's going to be a wide net, but um, but I am going to do that. So um, yeah, and then I accidentally for about ten minutes had like another two choices out there, and so I, I don't I don't know that anybody saw it. But it was it was like a choice between Jonah and First Peter. So oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, so, I didn't uh, see that one. Yeah, I, I quickly pulled it down. Like, no, 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 no. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, that's what's coming. I've mentioned to various people that I wasn't able to be here uh, the last Wednesday night, and I missed it. I really did miss it. And I think I that's, appreciate it, man. That's it. Wasn't because of you. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, you didn't miss much. No, you didn't miss much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the, but I think it's because there's, uh, we mentioned this uh, last time or a couple podcasts ago, when you're engaged, when you're actively, uh, you know, questioning or uh, really engaging your faith, there is something about that that's very energizing. And once you sort of know about that, it, it's something you want more of when talking about faces. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you really miss it when you're not here. And so that's what I felt. I think that's, I've heard that from some other people too, which is super exciting. Um, but the thing I think I missed last night, yeah, you were talking about uh, partnership and some other things. So I heard. Putting women in their place. Oh, is that what it was about? <laughs> that's not what I heard. That's what the title yeah. was. Okay. Okay. Um, but like I said last night, because I said, well, tonight we're going to talk about putting women in their place. And every every woman just give me this look. Like, <laughs> Did you just say that out loud? And I said, let me go ahead and give you the end of the story. Uh, a woman's Skip place ahead. is right beside mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. Equal. Okay. And then there were there were nods of approval. And I'm like, okay, I will live. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. will live. <laughs> and and uh, we had a fun laugh that about that at, at our house. 
But the question really that, that came up after that was, you know, I think there was some discussion about how we came to this idea that someone should be subservient to other in, mm-hmm. in the, you know, whether it's gender roles or whatever it is. But my question was right uh, around translation, Bible mm-hmm. translation. You mentioned yeah. this because uh, my daughter's in, um, she's a religion major in college and she had the pleasure to study Greek last, uh, actually last year, all last year. Mm-hmm. And there were many times when she would be talking about how this particular Greek word doesn't have a really good mm-hmm. English equivalent. Yeah, that happens a lot because the Greeks were very uh, detailed mm-hmm. in one way. Like they have four words, uh, debatably five words. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. Three words, debatably four words for love. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have love and we use the same love whether we're, I love pizza, I love my grandma. Right. Yeah. Well, come on. Right. Yeah. So what happens then when you translate from mm-hmm. Greek, Hebrew, etc., is that inevitably you lose something. You can, yeah. Potentially. And so what if our understanding of a particular thing or concept has lost so much that we are totally off base? And I, I think you might say, well, it, it requires reading and study about learning about the context and trying to understand that. So if we're not theologians, mm-hmm. does that mean we're missing the point? No. Um, there, there's a, there's a couple different things there. One, um, the, you know, contra you're always going to have, um, and, and I, and I, I say this respectfully, but I have to say it honestly, you're always going to have some niche or fringe groups um, or individuals who are who have been influenced by some niche or fringe thinking mm-hmm. that want that, that kind of have a conspiracy about everything, and so you know, I realize there there we may even have some people at Northside even listening to this that would argue when when I say the 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 translations that we have and and what I mean translations. Um, those translations of the Bible that have been produced by teams of of um, of, of biblical scholars and linguists um, are very 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 good. Um, I love the beauty of the King James version. I, I love it. What we have in modern translations is far superior. Because whenever the King James Version was first translated in 1611, uh, the, the understanding and knowledge of the original languages of Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic was, was still fairly new. Mm. And so we've learned a lot about translation. We've learned a lot about the languages since then. And, and, and you know, to, to those who would say we need to be using the original King James Version, well, even the King James version that that you are reading right now is not the original. Um, from mm. 1611 onward, the King James version has gone through uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of revisions. So there is probably no one listening to this podcast right now that owns a copy of a 1611 King James version Bible. Yeah. If you do, 
you better take that thing to the gold and silver pawn shop right right now. And Rick will give you top dollar, you know, uh, cause you have 75 cents best he can do. I give you like 50 bucks. I got to call in my expert. Um, but no, I mean, you would, you would have, you would make bank to quote Indiana Jones that belongs in a museum. So, um, but, but, but anyway, the translations we have are very, very, very good. And yes, some of them differ Mm -hmm. because of the approach they take in translating. Um, uh, and, and, you know, if you've taken Spanish or French or German in, in high school, there is, if, if you if you translate it into English, what you're saying in the exact order that you're saying it in the, in the <laughs> native language, it's going to come out all out of order. Right. Well, Greek and Hebrew work like that. You, there's word order things. We have mm-hmm. to, we have to get it around. So people will say, I want a literal translation of the Bible. Okay, you need to understand what that means. Is it would it's it's going to be really choppy, and it's going to be a much harder to read because um, and even with those they have to change word order or it won't make any sense at all. So uh, you know I want a literal translation of the Bible from the Greek or the Hebrew. Um, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> but you know those tend to be your New American Standard. Um, American standard, uh, those are kind of the gold standard, if you will. On but but if you read them, it's it's choppy. Mm. It's it's really mm. choppy. Now I study out of the New American Standard because I know where to go to figure out the word order issues. Um, <clears throat> and so if you're looking for a more word for word translation of the Bible, you're they're available, um, but it's hard. Yeah, it's really blocky, chunky reading what most of us really want and what most translators are really trying to do is take the the message the idea what is the what is the point here mm-hmm. and translate it in a way that makes it readable and um <clears throat> so yeah there's there's some editorial work that's done and we're going to say, all right, we'll say it this way. And when you look at various translations, there'll be different things that they emphasize. So like in, uh, in my most recent sermon, I quoted um, Ephesians. Um, so for those of you that get this on Tuesday, it would have been this past Sunday's, um, I quoted Ephesians chapter 2, even though I'm preaching out of Joshua. But I quoted <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, and I deliberately used the uh, the living Bible <clears throat> for it because what it emphasized about God pouring His grace out on us so that He can present us as examples of grace that made that it emphasized the part of the verse that I really wanted emphasized better than the NIV ESV um, others that emphasized another section of that passage mm-hmm. that's important. But that's not the part I really needed emphasized. So that's really the advantage of the different translations. But, um, you know, again, contrary to some kind of conspiratorial type theories where all the new translations take out the name of Jesus and stuff like that, you know, uh, those, you know, those, those arguments and those alarms are very, very easily, um, um, addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, 99% of them are just faults. They just keep floating around the internet. But um, so when it comes to translations, 
<clears throat> we have some really good, reliable translations. What happens is um, we don't know history very well. Mm. And um, for instance, this whole idea of uh, complementarianism. Complementarianism is the, is the belief, and it's very, very popular, um, that, the, the, that men um, are to be the head of the home, they are to be the heads of, of churches, and that both roles are complementary to one another, but there are very specific and defined roles in church and at home, and even among males and females, that depending on who you read and talk to, there will be the belief that women shouldn't be pastors, um, that women shouldn't teach men at church, mm. um, and then it goes down to where some people, like John Piper, I know, has even that he doesn't he doesn't really believe that a woman should even be a police officer, mm. you know, or have have authority type roles, or or that men should not read theological works by a woman. And things like that. So it kind of depends. Well, <clears throat> the way that things like that are packaged, and I think this is this is where kind of the, your, your regular average Joe can get caught up in things. And so I want to give you a little bit of a crash course in red flags, mm. red flags to listen for. Um, historically, complementarianism as a belief system really did was not really a big part of the evangelical community until maybe the last 30, 40 years or so. There's an excellent, excellent book. Um, it's called The Making of Biblical Womanhood. And um, Patrick, if you can Google that, because uh, I can't multitask and uh, <laughs> bring up the, the author's name. I got you, Coach. Yep. Uh, and she just, she goes through the history of how this movement began. And it, and it was a movement that kind of grew up out of, you know, some concerns. Uh, usually it's a concern uh, and, a, and a reaction against, quote, liberalism. Mm. And, uh, but then it kind of took on a life of its own and grew from there. And so now you have the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Um, and then kind of the other side, you have the, uh, the Center for Biblical Equality. And, you know, those have been kind of the two camps within the Christian community that have had these different views on women. So when we don't know our history, then when, when someone appeals to Scripture to say, look, this is what the Bible says, mm -hmm. and this is the way it's always been, and you don't know the history to be able to go back and say, well, no, actually, those passages didn't start to be interpreted that way until this date by this group of people for this reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big proponent of going back to what did the early church teach? What did the early church believe? You know, and, and, and that's why, like, whenever I've taught through Revelation, um, you know, all the left behind and rapture and, and dispensational stuff, that was never, ever mentioned in the history of the church. Not in, nothing like that was ever brought up until 1830. And in the year 1830, uh, a, a young girl named uh, Margaret MacDonald had a vision, 
And from that vision, things uh, it was written down, and from from there, it um, it was largely rejected in in England. But Dwight Moody mm. got a hold of it, and it spread like wildfire here. And so, you know, your whole left behind mm-hmm. type type uh, scenario and everything. Well, if you if if you know the history, um, that was completely unknown to anybody until 1830. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what the early church believed about the book of Revelation. That's not what was taught for the first 1,800 years of church history. So, you know, kind of the same thing. Do you have that author's name? Yes, Beth Allison Barr. Beth Allison Barr. B-A-R-R. Yep, Beth Allison Barr, and it's the making of... Biblical womanhood. The making of biblical womanhood. There's another one, if you'll get her name too, uh, called Recovering from Biblical womanhood, biblical manhood, woman, recovering from it. And it's from someone who's actually involved in uh, the, the Center for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood and kind of writing about a lot of the toxic thinking mm-hmm. that uh, was, was and continues to be at play there. But here's where your average Joe gets sucked into it. Someone that they love and trust and respect, a pastor, an author, maybe it's their pastor, someone says, now, you want to be faithful to the Bible, don't you? And well, of you, course. Yeah. And so, now this is what the Bible teaches about how you're to be at home, you're to be at church or whatever. This is what got Paige Patterson in so much trouble when he was president of Southeastern Seminary in the Baptist world is that um, when he was on record telling a woman to stay in a physically and uh, emotionally abusive marriage because that's how, you know, you want to see your husband come to, come to Jesus, right? Well, the Bible says that he's redeemed through you, you know, going into Ephesians. And, well, you want to please the Lord, don't you? Mm-hmm. And you want to be faithful to the Bible, don't you? Well, this is what the Bible says. Well, number one red flag if, if someone tells you what the Bible says, but doesn't encourage you to check it out and check out other perspectives, huge red flag. And that's why even, even with me, even with what I tell people on Wednesday night, um, I realize I don't know it all. There are people who I respect who come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with them. They don't agree with me, but we remain, I can remain friends with them because we realize we, we have Jesus in common. It's the ones who say, well, Kevin, you and I have come to different conclusions. I can have no fellowship with you. I'm going to say horrible things about you, and I'm going to say that you don't believe the Bible. Right. It's like, well, wait a minute, time out. Now, now, we're, now we're not talking about the biblical material anymore. We're, mm-hmm. we're going into something else. So to all you awesome people listening, if someone ever comes at a topic and they start with, if you don't believe this particular interpretation, then, then you don't believe the Bible. That's a huge red flag because that's really a way of discouraging you from asking questions and pushing mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying push back, question everything, especially question the people you trust. And so that's why I don't get offended on Wednesday nights. You know, you know, they're starting to ask questions now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a little bit sheepish and everything. But I'm like, no, no, I, I, you're not going to offend me. And, and there have been times where I'm like, you know what? I don't, maybe I need to go look at that again. Um, I will change my mind mm-hmm. when there's better evidence presented. And, uh, you know, something that I didn't know about. 
Um, what's so, a good way to handle that kind of situation? If you're, yeah. if you're with someone that you respect, that you love, whether it's a, you know, a family member or something like that, and they bring that, that position of, if you don't believe this particular translation, how do you handle that situation? And in, in a loving Christian way? Yeah. Well, if I know, if I know them mm-hmm. and, and I have friends and family members that they, that is what they do. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's one of those things where I, I put a quote this week on my, or last week on my Facebook and Instagram. And it said, you know, the, the more secure you are, the harder it is to offend you. Mm. And the thing is, I know, and God knows that I love him and I love his word. The Lord knows that, uh, the Holy spirit and I talk often. And so if someone says, well, I don't know if you're taking the scripture seriously, Kevin. Well, no, they they don't know that. I know that I do. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, I don't know, it kind of doesn't work on me. I've kind of been yeah. inoculated <laughs> to that. And so the way, I, I mean, specifically the way I handle it is I'll go, well, you know, now you're packaging it that way. So it's, I'm, 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 I'm feeling uncomfortable that you're packaging it that way because it's sounding to me like what you're about to tell me, you don't want me to question. Mm-hmm. And we both know that's not healthy. Yeah. And it, especially if I know them, I'm like, you know, that's not going to happen. I'm going <laughs> to question. Or if I really, really know them well, I'll say, let me stop you there. You know how seriously I take the Bible. Come on. You know, and, you know, punch him in the arm. Like, come on, ha, 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 <laughs> try again. You know, that just doesn't, it just doesn't work on me. And so I, um, and, and I think that's, we, we have to get over the fear of someone else telling us that we're not taking the Bible seriously mm-hmm. mm. um, and be secure and learn to be secure in the fact that no, actually I do. And I'm going to check this out. Even if I agree with it and I love what I hear you saying, I don't want to get carried away by the, by the, by the warm fuzzies and lose objectivity either. Mm. So, um, you know, it works both ways, both if there's cognitive dissonance because I'm like, Ooh, Oh, I, oh, I don't like that. That's going to make me have to change stuff, you know, mm. <laughs> or wow, I really like this. I like this view, huh? Still either way, question, 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 check it out. Find out what other perspectives there are for any and every view you hold. And you don't have to be a theologian to do that. Actually, all of us are theologians. Yeah. You know, all mm-hmm. of us are theologians. You can get with other people. There are plenty of resources. We can help point you in the right direction. But for whatever you believe right now, if you, you know, you attend Northside, you know, we have Pastor Daphne. So, so you're good with women pastors. Okay. Then, then find out why some churches aren't, you know, and, and at least be conversant with that. And then actually find out why you are. And it can't just be because Daphne's awesome because she is, <laughs> but that's not reason enough to say, well, I, I like, uh, I like Daphne as a, as a woman pastor, but I don't know that we would ever do that again, mm. you know, because, mm. cause that's what it can, it can get into. So I hope that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just don't, don't let someone tell you what you're taking seriously and what you're not. Yeah. Um, and you know, usually to me, that's a huge red flag and I just like, no, we're, we're, we're not even going to go. Um, yeah. Cause t- too many things are couched that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I won't get into that. <laughs> well, in today's world where we have so much access, laity people, everybody has so much access to information. Oh right? yeah. How much responsibility do we, for 
just the misinformation and I, I don't want to beat up the internet or anything, but I want Fake to go, news. I want to move to another group of people. Fake news. How much responsibility should we be as Christians, as people who are a part of the body laying on the shoulders of our seminaries and our, our places of higher education? Yeah. I not being better. I think this. we should lay a lot. There's a, the specific reason why I chose not to attend Baptist schools. Uh, and it was probably my first step out of the, the Baptist world um, was because when I did attend a Baptist school early on, uh, it was not a place where discussion, there was discussion as long as you, as long agreed. as you ended up with, with <laughs> right as long answer. as you agreed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you could discuss as long as you agreed. Um, but questions that pushed back against, you know, and yeah, I absolutely did not hear a variety of perspectives. Um, and so I went to deliberately went to schools where, for instance, um, in my undergrad, um, I remember uh, having a professor and it was systematic theology and we were on the topic of hell. And there, there are Christians who hold different views of hell, that it's eter eternal conscious torment. Some that believe you you be, you get annihilated. There is there is a limited time of suffering, and then you you no longer exist. Some who believe it's 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 not real at all. Nobody goes there, or if they do, it's only for a temporary amount of time, and then they're and then they're out. Or there's purgatory, mm -hmm. and so we had to write up what we believed, but we had to defend another belief in yeah. a class debate and it couldn't be mamby pamby yeah um i mean he would dock you points if he was like no i'm you're not really you're pulling punches mm. you're not really defending this well i got assigned purgatory and i studied purgatory inside and out i would love for purgatory to be true mm -hmm. that's one of those where i'm like oh man i'm i i'm rooting for purgatory even though i know it's not okay yeah. let me make that clear everybody <laughs> but it was one of those that i was like oh but now I understand. Mm. I understand where they're coming from. I, I can articulate the views of purgatory where my Roman Catholic friends say, are you sure you don't believe in purgatory? I like, no, I don't, but I understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the kind of things we have to do. Um, and I, I say to, yeah, the seminaries and the schools, educate pastors yeah stop indoctrinating pastors and then giving them a piece of paper yeah don't call them a master of theology when they've only mastered one perspective making grades yeah <laughs> um you're not you haven't mastered anything if if you don't know what else is out there and so that's why i was really grateful at fuller and and at uh george fox to to sit around a table with people and you know, from all over the world and, and from all stripes of, of the Christian community and uh, realize I don't know much, mm. you know, uh, we, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing one, uh, I'm seeing one facet of the diamond here. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, looking around like, whoa, there's so much more to, to see, even, even when I agree, you know, there's, there's so many more ways to get to that place of belief and, and agreement. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I do put it on that. Uh, I put it on pastors. I think pastors, pastors don't take enough time to teach their people to think 
And and too many people are content with their leaders just telling them what to think. Yeah, you're not going to get that from me, folks. I'm not going to spoon feed you. Um, you know, I, I want I want the people of Northside to be known as those are the biggest hearted and sharpest minded people of faith we've ever met. That's that's the goal here. Yeah, who's with me? Let's go. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> well, and that, I'm, I'm thinking of some folks. I can't hear you. Aye, <laughs> aye, Captain. <laughs> some folks I know that are really struggle with conflict. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reasons, there's usually a pretty good reason for that, whether mm-hmm. it's past trauma or, you know, whatever. But, um, but what I think I sort of hear you saying, not in so many words, but... Um, exploring or at least questioning or thinking about these different points of view, which may cause conflict within your own self because it's not what you thought you believed or Mm -hmm. what you'd always heard or whatever is healthy in terms of drilling down to what the, what the core is that you do believe. And that's really important Mm -hmm. when we are faced with any and every circumstance, the rest of our lives, it's, it's our, it's our um, barometer, our touchstone to, to help us determine with the power of the Holy Spirit what to do with whatever we're, we find ourselves in. It is, and it doesn't have to be a bad conflict, but it's, it's what I call redemptive tension. Mm. Um, you know, some things require tension in order to operate like a suspension bridge, um, you know, things like that. And I think um, it's that necessary tension that we have that keeps us growing. Um, otherwise, we do we become stagnant. Keeps mm-hmm. us in motion. Yeah, uh, keeps us learning. And that and that's the thing. No, you don't have to go to school and get a degree in theology, but everyone's a theologian. Yeah, and uh, everyone, if if you if you approach things deliberately, putting yourself in the posture of a student, um, it helps so much. It helps so much. But yeah, uh, I don't. I, 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 I'm not the same person theologically, uh, no, and in many other ways that I was 20 years ago. Uh, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we never stop. Uh, that's actually one of the things about the Reformation. It's, you know, uh, we have been reformed and we're always reforming and, you know, just continue to grow, continue to learn. Um, and I think because there are so many resources available now, for all levels of wherever you want, need to start. Um, it's, it's accessible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really accessible. Well, we've used this big word in here for a lot this podcast in the last few. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh, that one. <laughs> but theology is basically what I've understood is just your, to you boil it down to the fact it's your belief in God, what yeah. you understand, what's it's, your belief. So what's the study that, of God? Is it the study of God? So, mm-hmm. so I mean. We all yeah, exactly. are exactly. Mm-hmm. I think people hear that and feel like it's a skill that you have to Mm-mm. master to, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a carpenter. Or you have a degree, <laughs> a piece of paper, like you said, no. to tell you. Yeah. That you're a, as long as you can put the nail, the hammer on the nail, the head, you're, yeah. you're getting there yeah. anyway. So it's not, not something like that. Yeah. So that's right. That's right. And just start from where you are. And again, mm-hmm. you're an expert in your story. Yeah. That's where you start. Yeah. Which you is know, good. and the re and, Everything you're doing, you're doing from a, from a place of a theology. 
I raised my kids this way. Well, you you raise your you're raising your kids because of the your theology of of child rearing, mm-hmm. and that came from somewhere. Yeah. Everybody believes something, and so really being a, a theologian, um, studying God is just okay. How how are my beliefs about God informing the way that I'm spending my money, or raising my kids, or talking to my neighbor, or fill in the blank mm-hmm. Man, that's good stuff and we can go on and on and on and on but uh patrick what anything else we got coming up in Northside uh soon well before we move too far i was going to give you the name of that author for the book oh yeah oh thank so you the, so the two books that have been mentioned were the making of biblical womanhood by beth allison barr Bing! and the other one is recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood by amy bird okay. that's b-y-r-d mm-hmm. yes. awesome and if you've got more questions, if you've liked what you heard, Wednesday nights at 645 in Hope Hall, frequently asked questions with Pastor Kevin. Yeah. He'll, he'll answer them all. We should try to get one or both of those authors on the podcast here. That'd, That'd be, be fantastic. That'd be cool. I know a guy. Ah, all right. let's do it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we also have, do you have other things? Um, also on the docket, uh, coming up at the end of the month, everybody put it on your calendar, yes. September 26th. We're going to have a church picnic. Out at Pewborn Park, <laughs> like the good old days. Okay. And let me tell you something. We will revive the old guys versus the young guys football game. Ah. You're going down. And Wait, which which the, one do I land on this? Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, the team, Patrick. Welcome to the team. <laughs> where the old guys have never lost. Really? Never lost. Not once. Well, so, it's 4 o'clock games, so 5 the, o'clock cookout. So the youth go. have never beaten us. Give me an A. A. So, give me another A. A. Give me an R. R. Give me a B. <laughs> B, P, P, A, A, R, P. Oh, I've, I'm already signed. I'm already signing up. You know, you don't have to be 50 to do no, that. No, you don't. I'll get all my discounts. <laughs> so. so yeah, that's coming up the end of September. So you definitely want to check that out. And uh, we are hoping. I, I don't know how many people know this, and he's going to kill me for even mentioning this. But uh, one of our church members, Bill Reagan, has been in Haiti working down there, and we are going to hope that we can get him as soon as he gets back on the podcast with us yeah, and great. hear exactly what all he was able to do and what the conditions were there and stuff. And we want to send a shout out to the Northside Now, uh, our very own AT Trekker. Sarah, oh, yeah. Miss Sarah Baker has finished, the Blazing Bakers have finished the whole AT. They have made a, made it up the mount. Oh, wow. And uh, they are they are on their way home at some point, I think. But uh, hopefully, we can say hi to her somewhere down the road soon. But, I want to. Uh, I want to ask her if. I want to ask them if they've seen any of the Appalachian, the 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 supposed Appalachian feral people. Oh, yeah. That'd I be just interesting. I just watched a Destination Unknown with Josh Gates the other oh. night. <laughs> they were they were investigating the reports of people seeing feral oh. feral people in Appalachia. Ooh, mm. We will definitely have to ask mm. Sarah that. Yeah. We we had her. On I was the look. gonna I was gonna ask her about Bigfoot. We so. had her on the look for Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, him too. <laughs> him too. <laughs> That's interesting. So cool. Maybe Big. Bigfoot is just a feral Appalachian man. Perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. Could be. Well, guys, thanks for podcasting with me. And thanks to all of you out there in the world for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Northside Now Podcast. Go to our website, northsidejackson.com, or email us at podcast at northsidejackson.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Once again, I'm Patrick. This is Glenn. I'm Kevin. Kevin and Glenn here. And that's what's happening at Northside Now.